it's great to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. To um, serve Him and honor Him, we just glorify, Amen. His um, um, His name. A um, couple things that I want to uh, reiterate that Rodney has already mentioned. Of course, tonight there will not be uh, Sunday night service. We're hoping everybody will just enjoy the time uh, with your families today. And um, uh, if you're blessed to have your father here uh, with you, then you can uh, uh, please let him know how much you thank him and appreciate him. And then also um, uh, the uh, beauty for ashes. Um, not only do we send them monthly support, but each month, it falls on a different church to take care of that um, um, the place where they stay. Um, they've got a lot of different needs uh, there, and um, uh, please do not forget to bring some things in, um, things like hairspray, um, uh, shaving cream, body lotion, paper towels, Kleenex, um, dish detergent, uh, shampoo, deodorant, the whole list um, is uh, back there on the wall, and uh, uh, there's the table in the fellowship hall, um, and um, please um, uh, let's um, take care of this and do this uh, right. The Lord willing, we'll be back in service Wednesday night for our midweek service and as we um, we will study the Word of God together. Hallelujah. We're going to get into our message this morning, and I'm going to call your mind and attention to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 10 through 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verses 10 through 12. Hallelujah. This is what it reads like. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we have behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul told the church in Thessalonica, he said, you're a witness um, how that we behaved while I was with you, that devoutly, justly, blamelessly, just like a father does his own children, that you should walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Let's pray. Fathers, we come today, we thank you and we praise you for being able to be in your house today. We thank you for everyone who's present. Thank you for the fathers that we have. Bless your blessings upon them and on our family today. 
and everything's accomplished, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen, and you can be seated. Hallelujah. <coughs> praise the Lord. I want to speak to you on a subject title today, Being a Father of Distinction. Being a Father of Distinction. Now, if you look in the dictionary, the word distinction is defined this way. It says distinction is defined as the quality or state of being excellent or superior. The quality or state of being distinguished or worthy set apart from the ordinary. Now, just think about that briefly. Set apart from the ordinary, superior, excellent, um, and one who is set up apart above everybody else. Now, much has been said about Father's Day already. And we take this time to honor our fathers, and we do. Um, and I would like to share with you the importance of fatherhood and what the Scriptures teach the role of the father consists of. We are living in a mixed-up world. Can I get an amen on that? We are definitely living in a mixed-up world. We live in a world which has forgotten morality, decency. <laughs> I mean, let's just face it. We live in a world that um, they've even forgot what restroom they should use when they're in public. Amen. Our society has definitely changed since the days of my dad and my grandfather especially and seems to be changing at a rapid pace more and more for the worse. Now, not all, not all change is bad. Amen. We all could stand a little change from now, now and then. Hallelujah. But the change I'm talking about today is a change for the worse, not for the better. More now than ever, before, we need in this nation fathers of families who will demonstrate courage and honor, who takes, who will not bend with the new and modern concepts of secular humanists. Amen. More and more, we need men like that as fathers in this country. The man who takes on the role of a father of distinction, one who is set apart from the pact, fulfilling the expectation of what the Bible declares men should do and be. Men who are worthy of the title father and all the distinction that role, special role brings. But the man who does no more, and listen to me close, the man who does no more 
than just lay up and help make a baby but doesn't take his responsibility seriously is not worthy even to be called a man, much less any honor of being a father. Hallelujah. In this message, we will explore, explore how ordinary men can become a father of distinction, bringing honor and moral clarity to his family, church, and nation. We need people standing up and bringing some moral clarity in this world. Hallelujah. We need somebody with some gumption, amen, to stand up and say, hey, that ain't right. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody else that's doing all of this junk that's going on, that's trying to cram stuff down my throat and your throat, we need to have somebody stand up to tell somebody the right way. Hallelujah. So just bear with me. I promise not to hold you long, but there's a few things I want to talk about, about being a, a father of distinction. Number one, we're going to talk about a father of distinction, the distinction of being a provider, a provider. The first mark to distinguish you as a father of distinction it's when you take seriously the role of provider. And that role is taught by our Heavenly Father. You know, I, have, I tend to disagree on some things that I hear sometimes. One, when we talk about children, a lot of times you hear the old saying, says, well, you know, uh, uh, kids don't come with instructions. Well, I beg to differ. The instructions that you've got to go by is the Word of God. Hello, somebody. The Bible has every answer that you need of what you need to do with a child when you're a father. It's there if you're willing to take the t time to do two things. Number one, look it up. And then number two, do what it says after you look at it. Come on. Hallelujah. So God, being a father of distinction, a distinction of being a provider, our Heavenly Father gives us that great example. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. Let's read that. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Now, on your screen there, it don't have that wording like it is in, in, in the Scripture. But in your Bible, the word Lord there is all capital letters. Capital L, capital R, O, capital R, capital D. And any time you find the word Lord in all capital letters, in the Hebrew it means Jehovah. It means Jehovah. And so the story here is where Abraham took Isaac and God told him to offer his only son up. 
And as they was going up uh, towards the place, the son said, Lord, we got the wood, we got the fire, but where is the sacrifice? What did Abraham reply? The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. That's where we get that name right there. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is our provider. A man who is not ready to do whatever it takes to provide all his wife and children need is not ready to be married, much less to be a father. I mean, I'm just telling it like it is. Any man who is not ready to be a provider for everything his family needs is not ready to be married, much less to be a father. Laziness and self-centeredness does not mix with being a husband or a father. I thought I'd get more wise than amen on that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Those feelings, the feelings you got to merge with a so-called soulmate, better first fall in love with hard work along with the willingness to place God and family above everything else. Hallelujah. Some don't teach it, some don't preach it, but you do not, you do not put your family, and God does not expect you to put your family on the back burner. Hallelujah. That's your first and foremost responsibility is to take care of your family. That is the great example that God has left us. Amen. So when you begin to get those feelings that you're ready to merge and get your soul made, you better first fall in love with hard work along with the willingness to place God and family above everything else. Get this fact down. God expects the man. This is not politically correct today. And the feminists won't like it, but I can't help what they don't like. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Kind of like that old song I used to sing years and years ago. Mama don't like no fiddle playing around here. Well, I can't help what mama don't like. I'm going to play my fiddle anyhow. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> help me, Lord. Help me, help me. Glory to God. God expects the man to be the chief provider of the family. It doesn't matter what the modern world or liberated people think. Somebody the other day when I was talking about our anniversary, and um, I mentioned about us being married 46 years. Lord, how, how old was you when you got married? I said, well, I was, I was still 17. I like two months being 18 years old. Two months. Uh, my, uh, my parents had to sign for me. I couldn't get the license on my own because I wasn't, I wasn't 18 yet. But I never will forget what I wouldn't talk to Dad about. 
wanting to get married and was going to need some signature. And uh, he told me, he says, well, you need to understand that you're taking on a responsibility. He, he looked and he said, not my responsibility, not nobody else's, but yours. Now, I was, I was already being called to preach, and we'd, I'd done been preaching for a, a little while. And uh, I prayed, and I, you know, I gave it thought and about that and just what I'm talking about right here, that responsibility that many people throw out the window. Uh, I made a mistake. Which thankful that years later I went back and corrected, and I finally, finally got it taken care of. But I was in. I was. I was a. Uh, I was a junior in high school, and I, I, I quit. Just one year to go. That was a. That was a dumb mistake. That was a mistake. That I not only I had to pay for, but my wife had to pay for, and my family years ago. It made me have to work a whole lot harder because I didn't have that in uh, diploma. I had to take the harder working jobs for the smallest amount of pay, but that didn't that didn't defer me. I know we got some here that started out a lot less than this, but when I uh, when I got married, I was making one dollar and eighty cents an hour. But with that one dollar and eighty cents an hour, I I took the responsibility seriously. I rented a house, seventy five dollars a month. Turned all utilities on. Different people uh, give us help with different furniture, and we bought some stuff. And when I, when I stepped out, I didn't depend upon Daddy no more because it was me who took that responsibility. Whether we had it or whether we did not, we carried it on. And when I had to do so, when I had to do so, because maybe the first job I had didn't pay enough, I would take on another. Hallelujah. Because, see, my daddy instilled within me that, son, when you're a man, you do what you got to do. And it didn't take me long. Hey, I wasn't too proud to do anything to make a living for my family. If it's scrubbing toilets, flipping hamburgers, or whatever it's going to do, I'll, by the grace that God would help me with, I would do whatever it takes to do. Because my daddy came down that, that, that same road. 
His father died when he was only 13. He was the oldest one of seven children. He dropped out of school, went to work, and took care of his mama and his other children. And Hey, he didn't just raise one family. He raised another family. He never thought about himself or got married. He was 35 years old before he got married. He made sure his last brother educated with a diploma for he thought about himself. Hey, you just wills not look around in the world today because you're not going to find nobody hardly around left that's got that kind of fortitude about him. People think totally different today. Hallelujah. But we need to learn, if we're going to be fathers of distinction, that we have to be provider. Hallelujah. David wrote in Psalms 23 that the Lord, and when he said Lord, he meant his heavenly Father. Amen? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means the Lord was his Father, Amen. And that father was his shepherd, so he was not going to lack anything he needs. A father of distinction will have the same attitude in his character that those entrusted to him won't lack anything as long as he is able to provide. First Timothy 5 and 8, I've got to move on. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Or regional King James says worse than an infidel. Hello. That's not a popular message today. But it's still the truth, amen? Hallelujah. I could, I could add more in, into this, but I've got to move on because of time. The second point I want to bring out, amen, about becoming a father of distinction, the distinction of being an example. Dads, you got little eyes looking at you. Sister Darlene and I was at a store or someplace the other day and a man, his wife, came out and they was pushing, it was a grocery store because they was pushing a buggy. There's a little girl sitting in the buggy, a toddler. Because he couldn't do it in that store as soon as he Stepped outside and walking right by that buggy with his wife pushing. He pulls out a pack of cigarettes, puts one in his mouth, begins to light up. And that that's not what got my attention. What got my attention, Brother Bobby, was that little girl in that buggy just staring at her daddy taking everything in. I told Darlene, I says, that dad is teaching his little girl more than what he realized. If he continues to do that, 
there will come a day that she will try it because she's going to think it's all right because she saw Daddy do it all her life. Even even after that, I I seen a picture on the internet of some so-called, and I will say so-called, mama sitting down with a baby on a blanket, had a bottle of beer held up to the child. We we go we do all of this stuff. Then later on, when those those sweet children becomes juvenile delinquents, we pull our hair out and we wonder what in the world went wrong. It wasn't nothing overnight, folks. It's something you were doing or something you wasn't doing all your life. Come on, somebody, Hallelujah. The distinction of being an example. First Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 22. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an what? Example that you should follow his steps. Hallelujah. Who committed no sin, no was... Um, deceit found in his mouth. Hallelujah. Just as Jesus Christ lived his life as an example for us to follow, the father of the family should be the sole example for the whole family. Dad, even if you don't feel like taking the trouble to get yourself up and dress and get your family ready and take them to church on Sunday after a long, hard week of work, amen, you will do it anyway if you care anything about your wife and your children because you are their example and they can't walk where dad won't lead them. Hallelujah. There's a lot of times I do what I don't feel like doing. I feel tired. I feel wore out. But you do things anyway because it's the right thing to do. Can somebody say amen? Father, being a father of distinction is being an example to their family. Amen. Your family can't walk where you're not willing to lead. A father of distinction would be the glory. A father of distinction will be the first to step out of his pew or out of his seat and get in the aisle and get in the altar way and begin to worship God. Hallelujah. A whole lot of what I am today, I am because of the example of my dad. My dad, as y'all know, I mean, you know, we, we wasn't raised Pentecost. We was, we was in the Baptist church, raised Baptist. 
They but, but they wasn't that dead batch. Matter of fact, the Baptist people that I was raised up, amen, but put some of us Pentecost people to shame in our worship. I remember my dad, when everybody else had their head dropped or laid back snoozing in the church, he'd give them all a headache because he'd be the first one to holler out and praise the Lord. They'd be singing a song, especially if it was a song about heaven and walking the streets of gold. He'd jump up and he'd well, glory, I'm fixing to have a spell now. I'm a worshiper today because my dad led the family in worship. I pray today because as a child, even though back then they, they we only had Channel 2, Channel 4, Channel 5, and Channel 8. And did you have nothing but a snowy screen at midnight? But long before that, there was a certain time every night. I'd be watching TV. Dad would get up and he'd go over there and he'd flip that channel. You didn't have remotes back then neither. He said, it's time for the nightly family prayer. A family cannot follow where a dad will not lead. I'm a man of prayer today because my daddy taught me that. My mama used to be scared to death of storms. Uh, we, uh, I guess it makes a difference because we, we were caught on a couple of twisters growing up, but man, a, a bad storm uh, hit during the night, it wouldn't be the storm that woke people up, it'd be my mama running, getting everybody out of bed. <laughs> she would she'd wake daddy up, Sam, Pray. I'd always get scared because of her, the way she carried on. But I never do remember a time that some kind of calamity was going on that where my dad didn't get down on his knees and begin to pray. And there would be a change. It didn't take a lot. I had confidence in my dad's prayer. I knew when my dad prayed, heaven listened. I had bad nosebleeds when I was a child. One day my nose started bleeding. It, ble it bled all day long. I no telling how much blood I had lost. Dad had the only car, and he was off to work at the railroad. And it bled all day long. And I mean, I was, I was, I was weak as water. I, like I said, I didn't know how much blood I lost. As soon as he walked in the front front door with his bib overhauls on and his railroad cap, 
Mama say, Sam, Sammy's over there bleeding. He's about to bleed to death. And Dad walk over there. He'd open up his Bible to him in Ezekiel. And he would read that scripture. And instantly, the blood would stop every time. Every time. He was an example. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. Apostle Paul said this. Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. We need, we need some men who's willing to let their lives be a pattern, not only in their family but in their church, to do the right thing. One reason, can I, can I be honest today? Nobody said anything, so I'm going to be honest anyway. One reason why we have so many younger ones come in and they fall away, there's a lot of churches when they come in, they don't have any examples of women or men to live examples in, in front of the new ones to know what they should do. Hallelujah. Somebody told me they, they went to church somewhere and was there for almost a year. It's supposed to be an apostolic church. <coughs> they had never heard nothing about needing to be baptized in Jesus' name. Didn't know nothing about it. We need to have some people as examples. Apostle Paul also said, also said, he said, look, you follow me as I follow Christ. Now, you forget that old, I don't, I don't care how much you want to say it. People like to say it all the time. But you just forget that old thing. Well, bless God, I don't, I don't follow man. I follow God. Let me tell you something. God has got a Bible full, amen, of men, and he still has got them on the, on the planet today that he has, he has put there, amen, for me and you to follow. We follow them as they follow Christ. Paul said, you follow me as I follow Christ. If we quit following Christ, you follow the Word. Come on, somebody. The third point, I'm going to close. The distinction and building character. Dad, it's up to you to build some character in the life of your children. It's your responsibility. If they're going to have character in their life, if they're going to have convictions in their life, mom and dad is going to put them there. Hallelujah. Proverbs 22 and 6 will be the last scripture we read. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, this verse of Scripture has long been misunderstood, causing needless pain and anxiety to godly parents. This verse does not say if you take them to church, they will never stop going when they get older. 
This verse does not say that. There's not a verse in the Bible that says that. This verse does not say none of that. Many children, I mean, there was a period of time I was the same way. Many children develop a desire to break away what they perceive as chains of childhood. In other words, they want to be free of what they may have been required to do for so long. How many times have we had Shelly say, church, 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 that's all I hear, church. When I get big enough, I ain't going to go to church. Amen. Well, she's not the only child that ever felt that way. But here's the, here's the point. But if you live your life as a father of distinction and build character, conviction, and the moral standards of God's Word in the soul of a child, he or she will never be able to get away from what mom and dad stood for, even if they stray away from it. Hallelujah. Woo. Nah. Mm. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Even if a child runs hard and fast trying to get away from all of that, no matter where they run to, it's going to be in them. It's going to follow them. It's going to be, if you planted it, if you planted the seed, the seed will be there. And what does that what does that, how does that help? Anybody know what a compass is? If you, go, if you have a compass, you go out in the woods, you have a compass with you so you can get your direction. When you build character in your, in your children, when you train them, and it's not just taking them to church, it's a lot of other things. Even if they get away and they run, mom and dad, even if you are gone on, somewhere, when they finally get down to the bottom, when they get down and they got to look up the sea bottom, they're going to find a compass inside that even dad, if he ain't around, will lead them and give them direction of how to get back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My dad and uh, my parents prayed for 40 years to my older brother. And I thank God that he was able to come here once to see, and he sat right back there. 40 years that I never saw him without holding a glass mixed with orange juice and vodka. And he bought it by the gallon jugs. 
for a long time, he did his own thing. And mom and dad was long gone, and they'd prayed, and they requested prayer for him every time they went to church. I would hear my dad on his knees bawling, Lord, save my son. Bring him back. My dad was, his body, not, not him, not my dad, but his body, the house that he lived in, was laying out there in my island cemetery. When on a Sunday night in a church house, my older brother got out of his seat, started walking toward the altar, couldn't even make it, dropped on his knees halfway, and began to cry out, God, can you ever forgive a foolish man? It's important that we build character in the lives of our children. Training means to mold. It means to shape, to bend, to conform to a desired path. I wish I had more time. I'd like to get in, really get into this. But moms and dads both, you can't allow your children to grow wild. You must give them direction. The character in a child is built by the parents. I don't care what the trend is today. Well, I, I, I don't want my kids to feel like I'm nosy. I'm going to tell you something. That's one time, parents, amen, especially in the teenage years, you better let your nose grow long. You need to know who their friends are. You need to know what they're watching on TV. You need to know the websites that they are on. You either know it now or you're going to regret it. Do not listen to to the way the world teaches you to raise your children. Raise them by the way and the standards of the Bible and you will be a happier person. Hallelujah, I got to quit. But God help us, all as dads, to strive to be fathers of distinction. Fathers that step away from the pack and not like the crowd, but can do something that their families can be proud. Let's all stand.